Man, it is so great to be with you on the first Sunday of the year. If you are in person or you're tuning online, you have perfect church attendance for 2021. So come on. We're excited. And hey, uh, church, if you're with us here today in person, could you help me welcome those who are tuning in online with us today? We're so excited. If you're watching in the Coltrane Life Center today, uh, I don't know if you know this, we're a part of uh, a church that is in assisted living facilities, and we're so grateful. We consider you part of our family, and we're honored that you're here today. Man, I'm excited for uh, what God is doing and all that we get to be a part of. We are kicking off a brand new year entering into 2021, and I want to say welcome. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. If you're here for the first time, we consider it an honor. Uh, whether you're with us in person or online, we'd love to connect with you. If you're with us in person, we do have a gift that we'd love to give you. You can stop by the New Here Lounge in the lobby, and we'd love to give you a gift. But man, as we enter into 2021, I was thinking back to 2020, and there were a few times, I'll say about May of last year, where I was like, I'm ready to hit the reset button. Like, if, if, if there was a reset button on life that I could just hit and we could start over, I would be game for that. And I think some of you ended up in the same place. Maybe you weren't ready to hit the reset button in life. But the other week, uh, I was working on my MacBook. I just believe if you're going to have a computer, that's, that's the way you go. So I'm working on my MacBook, but all of a sudden, it's working really slow. It's not functioning the way it should. And you may be thinking, well, that's because you had a MacBook. But that's no that's not the reason. So I'm sitting there working on my computer, and all of a sudden it's not functioning the way it's supposed to. So I decided I'm going to do a system reset. Oftentimes a system reset is necessary when something isn't functioning in the way that it should. Maybe you accumulated a little bit too much junk. Maybe you've got so much stuff. And now what you need to do is hit the reset button so that you can clear some stuff out. So that some things that are there can be removed so that you can function in the way you were originally designed to do. So we're kicking off a brand new series today called System Reset because I believe that's what we need to do as we enter into 2021. There's some things that we accumulated over 2020. Maybe there were some patterns or habits that you got that you're like, man, I don't want that to be a part of my life. Maybe there was some junk that you carried and you decided not to let go of. This is the year where you do that. Maybe there's some things that you've been praying for and believing for for a long time and they haven't come to pass yet. What I'm praying is that over the next year that those things come to pass. For us as a church, the best way that we hit the reset button is we do it twice a year. And it's summed up in two words, prayer and fasting. For us as an organization, prayer and fasting are vitally important. I coach churches all around the world, have the opportunity to help people, and they ask, what do you do that works? I'm like, well, there's a lot of things that don't, but what we do that works is that we pray and fast. And we come together twice a year, once in January and once in August, and we pray and we seek after the Lord. Now, in January, we fast. In August, I say we feast, right? We don't fast, we eat good in, during 21 days of prayer in August. But for the first 21 days, really, uh, we're going to pray and fast together. So 21 days of prayer for us starts tomorrow and goes through the 24th of January. And the reason why we're starting tomorrow is because the Lord may lay something on your heart today for you to fast that you need a little bit of time to plan and prepare for. 
As we go into this next season and we pray and we fast, we've been doing this from the early days of our church. And every year as we spend intentional time seeking after God, we see breakthroughs, we see miraculous things, we see God answer prayers, and it really is a powerful time. I'm going to share some more details about what 21 days of prayer looks like in just a little bit. But I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 4 today as we get ready to kind of kick off this new series and 21 days of prayer. Now, a little bit of backstory: Jesus has just been baptized. The great part about Jesus' baptism is Jesus is about to be baptized, and he's doing this before he enters into ministry. As Jesus goes under the water and comes up, Scripture says that the sky parts and the voice comes from heaven. And God declares this over Jesus. He says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with. So know that before Jesus ever performs a miracle, God speaks over him saying that I love you and I'm for you. Because God loving us and God being for us is not about performance, but it's all about his character. There's not a way for you and I to earn the love of God, for he gives it to us freely. So Jesus is there. He has the words from heaven speaking over his identity to say, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. And now Jesus is about to go into his ministry. He's about to go work and serve the Lord. But he doesn't go to school and he doesn't end up going straight to the temple. It says this in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then... Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, that's the river where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is interesting because a lot of times when we think about the wilderness season, we think of it as a punishment for the things that we've done wrong. We think about the Israelites as they're leaving and they're heading towards the promised land and they enter into 40 years in the wilderness. But the wilderness is not something, let me say this, the wilderness will be what you make it. It will either be a season where you understand you're being led by the Spirit or it will be a season where you grumble and complain your way through the lessons that God wants to teach you. And if you don't end up learning it, you're going to stay stuck for years. Because if you're taking notes, here's the first thing. The wilderness is meant to cultivate you, not to crush you. There's something that God wants to do in these wilderness seasons. The wilderness is defined as an uninhabitable, inhospitable place or region. The wilderness is a place of discomfort. And Jesus is about to enter into 40 days of things that are not going to be comfortable. And he's going to experience some temptation. But the good news is he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the reason why that's good is because where God leads, he sustains. Where God takes us, he's already made a way for us to come out on the other side. The wilderness is not a time where God's design is for Jesus to become crushed. God's design for Jesus in the wilderness is to come out on the other side having a solidified identity, knowing who God had created him to be and knowing that he can overcome anything. The purpose of the wilderness for you and I is to deal with and break through the bondage that sin is has over our life. Now for Jesus, it's not to break the bondage of sin because he's sinless. But the reason why Jesus has to go through the wilderness and why he's being led into the wilderness to be tempted is because if he doesn't overcome temptation, he's not really the Messiah. 
He can't be sinless and, and we can't identify with him unless he goes through the same struggles that we go through. So Jesus goes through those struggles. That's why Hebrews says that we don't have a high priest who can't empathize with us in all things, for in all things he was tested. So Jesus goes through the mess of temptation, but it's to cultivate, not to crush. We keep reading and it says this in verse 4. So Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And when they had ended, he was hungry. Now, I'm not telling you what to fast. And, and for some of us, you're going, look, you keep throwing out this word fast. And brother, I don't run, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of fast, right? Because if we were, I'm slow. Um, no, fasting is, is a process that you and I choose to give up. Now, what we see in the text is that Jesus was hungry, meaning that he gave up food. I'm not telling you that that's the kind of fast that you have to go on. I believe you need to pray about what kind of fast that God is leading you to do over the course of the next 21 days because God sustains what he directs. So if you enter into a fast just because everybody else is doing it, God didn't promise to sustain what you started. He sustains what he starts. So ask him and he'll tell you what you need to fast. But here's why we fast as a church, and why Jesus is fasting in the wilderness. Because fasting is denying ourselves physically to strengthen ourselves spiritually. In the world that we live in, we have grown far too accustomed to saying yes to the desires that we have. When we want something, we say yes. Every time I drive by Krispy Kreme and it says hot and now, I think it's a sign from the Lord, right? We all know hot and now means fat later, but we don't care because we want it, and we want it now. We've grown so accustomed to this mentality, even in our walk with Jesus, that if we want to do something and, and it contradicts the word of God, we just kind of go, well, I feel like doing it in this moment. And what the world tells us is that's good. If you feel like doing it, then do it. But that's not what Scripture teaches us. What Paul says is that at some point you and I are going to have to acknowledge that there is a war going on within every single one of us between our flesh and our spirit. And what we feed will grow and what we starve will die. And the reason why we fast is because for me and for you, I think we've grown too accustomed to saying yes to our flesh and no to the spirit. And fasting is an opportunity where we deny ourselves physically so that we can strengthen ourselves spiritually. So here are four types of fast. I'm going to go through these pretty quick, and all of these are going to be available. They'll give you a website later on, propel.church slash 21 days, but all of this information is going to be there. But four types of fast primarily. The first one is selective. And a selective fast is typically like the Daniel fast. And if you go to the book of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel chooses to do a fast to set himself apart from the rest of the people, that he gave up meats, sweets, breads and dairy for the course of 21 days and over those 21 days he became strengthened and stronger than all of the other men that's a selective fast it's where you're choosing to remove some things from your diet for the purpose of connecting with God you would deny yourself physically to become strengthened spiritually there's also a complete fast and this would typically be a liquid only fast 
where you would choose to only drink water or maybe you're just liquid only so you're doing broth and things like that. I would say that if you're going to do a liquid only fast for more than three days, just check it with your physician to make sure you're good. Because faith and wisdom do coexist. (laughs) So we can operate in faith and have wisdom at the same time. And also, if you're seven days into a liquid-only fast, I don't want you blaming me. So, (laughs) complete fasts are super beneficial. I will say a selective fast, the Daniel fast, is one that the majority of the people within our church do over the course of 21 days. There's also a partial fast. A partial fast is typically called a Jewish fast, and that fast is where you fast for a partial time during the day. I was talking with a guy last year during 21 days of prayer, and he said, Pastor, I'm fasting from like 9.45 p.m. to 8 a.m. I said, brother, that's called sleep. <laughs> that ain't fasting. But maybe you choose over the course of 21 days to give up your lunch. And rather than eating lunch, you're spending time opening God's Word and unpacking Scripture. For some of you, skipping lunch is a horrible idea, <laughs> right? You need to pick it. But, but let, me, let me say this. Don't, don't choose to fast breakfast if you don't eat breakfast every day. That's not fasting. The, the purpose of a fast is not that you test your self-control, but that you learn how to depend on the power and the presence of God. So don't pick a fast that you don't need God for. That's not fasting. And if you're going to fast without prayer, then that's called dieting. And that's not the point of 21 days of prayer either. We pray and fast. They work hand in hand. A soul fast is one of my favorite because a soul fast is where you and I take inventory of the junk that we allow into our life. And so maybe over the course of 21 days, God is leading you to get rid of social media. And you say, hey, I realize that it's not what's most beneficial. And so all the time that you would spend scrolling on social media, you now spend opening scripture. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's video games or it's Netflix or maybe you just need to change the radio station you listen to for the next 21 days. I'm not telling you what you need to do, but here's what I will say. If you choose to remove some junk from your life and allow it to be filled with stuff that that grows and strengthens your spirit, you're going to come out of these 21 days stronger than you've ever been spiritually. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. So we keep reading Luke chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, and this is where Jesus starts to go through some temptation. And this is what it says. It says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him by saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word of God. Bread is... A great fuel source. In fact, 21 days of prayer is often, uh, I think the hardest part about 21 days of prayer for me is I normally do a Daniel fast mixed with a complete fast. But um, in that, uh, giving up bread is tough because mama didn't raise no quitter. Man, I love me some carbs. I love bread. Bread's a fuel source. It's a source of energy. And what scripture is trying to teach you and I with this statement is if we're not careful, we find fuel in the wrong places. That our source of fuel, what we consume in our life, ends up being a source that can't sustain us long term. 
So for many of us, we find our bread, our source of fuel, in the things of the world. And for some of us, we've been consuming the bread of success. And we have been eating from success, and we've been doing everything we can to grow our business and grow our portfolio and strengthen our income. And I'm not telling you that any of those things are wrong, but here's what I will say. If that's your source of bread, at some point, it's going to run out because it's not a sustainable source. At some point, if you and I keep feasting from those things, we're going to get to the place where we realize, even statistics show us that some of the wealthiest people in the world are also the most miserable. Maybe that's not your fuel source. Maybe your fuel source is something different. Maybe it's likes or engagement on social media or, or people watching you on YouTube. Whatever it is, if those are your source of bread, if that's where you get energy, you're going to realize at some point that that stuff fades. I remember we were, uh, back when we had first started the church, um, we had tried everything we could to break like the 100-person barrier. And, and then we finally broke it. And then it was like, hey, what can we do to break the 200-person barrier? And I called one of my mentors one day, and I was going to celebrate with him. And I was like, man, we just broke the 200-person barrier for the first time. Like, it's incredible. And we were celebrating. And he said, how's it feel? And I said, oh, well, I'm ready for 300, and I'm ready for four. And he said, yeah, stop, ch don't chase that. Because it's never going to be fuel. It's never going to be satisfying. Every time you set a goal, and I'm not telling you that goals in 2021 are bad. You're going to accomplish some great things this year. But if your goals are your source of fuel, it's going to be a source that at some point runs out. Our source for energy and fuel has to come from every word that comes from the mouth of God because it is the only thing that's unshakable in our lives. And so let me ask you an assessment question. This is something that you can kind of step back and think through for yourself. Am I living by the word of God or the words of the world? Is my source of fuel and energy what the world has to say or what God is declaring over my life. Because one source of fuel is sustainable and the other is not. But Jesus enters into the scene and when Jesus steps in, he makes statements like this, I am the bread of life. Meaning that every hunger that we have can be satisfied within him. Jesus comes and he says, I am living water to tell you and I that all of those desires and the thirst that we have can be quenched within him. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And when Jesus is saying that, he's telling you and I to not find our fuel, not find anything in this world that, that we think will get us to God. It won't. It's only through Jesus. And so the reason why we pray and the reason why we fast is because it's not just denying ourselves physically and we're getting stronger spiritually. I, I love that. That's crucial. But it's also recognizing who your source of energy is, where your strength truly does come from, and it comes from the Lord. Verse 5 of Luke chapter 4 says, Then the devil, taking him up high on a mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all of it will be yours. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The temptation for Jesus in this moment is to receive the crown without the cross. It's to become king of the world without doing any of the work that it requires to become king. Because what Jesus knows is a true king is willing to sacrifice himself for the people. A true king is willing to give his own life. And that's why he is the king above all kings. Because where man-made kings fail, God doesn't. And he chooses to die in our place. What the enemy offers him is something that we are offered consistently in our world. Hey, you want fame? You want success? Do you want temporary authority and glory? Do you want people to praise you and celebrate you? Because if you do, the only thing that it will require of you is a little bit of compromise. If you just worship me, if you just worship the things of the world, if you just choose for a moment to say yes to temporary stuff, all the stuff in the world can be yours. I wonder how many of us give up Eternal impact for temporary authority. Like, I wonder how many of us, God wants to use us, God wants to do some incredible things in our life, but there's like little moments of compromise along the way where we're choosing to say yes to the things of the world and we're choosing to say yes to our flesh. And rather than saying yes to the things of God, there's just a little bit of worship that we still have with the things that are not of Him. If you worship those things, You'll get the world, but you won't get eternity. That's the beauty of what the gospel affords us. The gospel says, hey, death is just the beginning for you. That you don't have to live for just a small moment of time because your life is but a vapor. But there is an extensive thing called eternity. That your best days are actually your last days here on this earth. And what you choose to do with your time here on this earth determines how you get to spend eternity. If you want to know more about that, I taught a message a few weeks ago. I had a rope. It was good. Go to YouTube. If you're taking notes, write this down. Prayer and fasting disconnects us from the world and connects us to God. Prayer and fasting disconnects us from the world and connects us to God. There's a story in uh, Mark 7, maybe. It's in the Bible. Jesus has just come down from the Mount Transfiguration. There's a demon-possessed boy there. All the disciples have been trying to exercise this demon. They've been trying to get this kid freed, but they can't. Partially because they're arguing about who's the best in the group. Ego will always get in the way of what God has called you to do. Pride will keep you from experiencing God's best. They're all having an argument about which one is better. And rather than actually dealing with the issue that the guy had, they were too busy focused on who was going to get the credit for it when Jesus got back to camp. But the kid couldn't get freed. Jesus comes down and he says, after he prays for the boy and he's delivered, the disciples go, man, how'd you do that? And he said, there's some things that only happen through prayer and fasting. There's some breakthrough that you need in your life, and there's some breakthrough that I need in my life 
that only happens when we disconnect from the things of the world. That's what fasting does. Fasting breaks our ties with the world. And we pray, prayer is connection to God. When we pray and fast, we're disconnecting from the world and connecting to God. And as the world is fighting for our worship for temporary things, I believe that God wants to make us stronger. I believe that as we read through scripture, I want to finish my race well. I want to run with endurance. But the reality is, with the world that we live in, I don't have the strength to do it on my own. I need God in my life. I need more of the presence of God than I've ever needed before. In 2021, I need power, I need purpose, I need authority, and I need breakthrough. And it doesn't come from within me, it comes from God himself. That's what prayer and fasting does. Here's the last thing. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 9 through 13. It says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Just because you get rid of the enemy once doesn't mean he ain't coming back. (laughs) He has dominion over this world. And until our king returns for us, you're going to be fighting the devil for the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus. You ought to be concerned if the devil isn't coming after you. Because that means he ain't concerned about you. Which may mean that your walk with Christ isn't where it needs to be. Because the enemy fights what he's scared of. The enemy leaves Jesus for an opportune time. But I think if we skip over this story, we'll miss out on something that we actually all struggle with. So the enemy takes Jesus to the top of the temple and he says, if you throw yourself off, didn't God say he would take care of you? Didn't he promise that there were going to be angels that would catch you and that you would be safe at the end of the day? You can do that. You can... Choose to throw yourself off in this moment. But here's what Jesus knew. Throwing himself off the roof of the temple was to take control of his life into his own hands. And I think we do that so often. The enemy takes points of scripture, pieces of scripture, and he twists it and manipulates it to show you and I something that looks like God but it's not God at all. That's why in the garden he comes to Eve and he says, well, did God really say that you can't do that? And That's the fundamental question that we all struggle with as we read through God's word and it doesn't line up with the life that we live. Like, did God really say that? I I know that it's like in the text, but like, is that really what God meant? Yes, it's what, if you, if there's ever a point where you're reading scripture and you read something and go, I disagree with that. You have to conclude that you're wrong. I don't get to change it. I don't get to twist it or manipulate it. 
I have to conclude that I'm not right, that he is right, that his word is truth, and it's the truth that we live by. But I think so many of us live our lives just like this temptation to say, hey, at the end of the day, I can do whatever I want with my life. I can live with my life in my own hands. I can throw myself off of whatever bridge, and it will all work out in the end because God loves me. And the answer is yes, God does love you, and he loved you enough to make a way for your sins to be paid for, not so that you could do whatever you want, but so that you could be conformed into his image and be transformed by his son, Jesus. Salvation doesn't leave you and I to the place where we do whatever we want because there is no salvation without transformation. If you said yes to Jesus and nothing in your life changed, you had an emotional moment in front of people. When we say yes to Jesus, it changes us. To not place control of our life within our own hands, but to fully surrender everything into the hands of God. Jesus doesn't step off or throw himself off because that's not what God told him to do. When Jesus goes where the Father tells him to go, he stays where the Father tells him to stay. He does what the Father instructs him to do. And the reason why we pray and why we fast It's because prayer and fasting places the control of our lives in the hands of God. The more I control my life with my own hands, the more I realize I do a really good job of messing things up. But when I choose to take some time to pray and to fast, to seek after the heart of God, What I'm saying is, hey, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not of you, let's get rid of it. As I pray and I fast and I'm denying myself physically, look, I'm going to tell you, I feel like I bleed chair wine and barbecue. 21 days of prayer and fasting is not necessarily an enjoyable time. Because here's what some people will do. Some people will come into an environment like this and feel like it's their job to convince you that the next 21 days, if you pray and fast, it's going to be awesome. I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I'd be lying to you. But what if I told you that entering into the wilderness, because you're being led by the Spirit, entering into 21 days of prayer and fasting was something that could change the trajectory, not of just your life, but of your kids' lives and your kids' kids' lives. Because there's some things that have been attached to your family line for a long time. There's some habits. There's some patterns of behavior. There's some things that you do because your dad did and because his dad's dad did. And it's carried on for generation after generation. And praying and fasting is saying, hey, I'm tired of all that crap. I'm going to war with the enemy for the next 21 days. And I'm coming out on the other side free. I'm coming out because I want to walk in everything that God has for me and I know that I've got some junk in my life that I need to deal with. And the beautiful part about being in the hands of God is also being a part of the body of Christ, being placed with God's people. And so during 21 days of prayer, we don't just meet on Sundays, we meet every single day during those 21 days. And so Monday through Friday, we meet in here from 7 to 8 p.m. And on Saturdays, we meet from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And Sundays is our regular worship experience time. And so every night, you're going to see me right here for 21 days. So why are we gathering together? Because you can't do this thing alone. 
when I'm praying and fasting, I'm not just praying for my own junk, although I got plenty of it. I got some stuff that I need breakthrough for. I got some big things that I'm believing God for. I want to make sure that God cultivates my character over the next 21 days. But I'm also going to war for you. I'm going to war for that kid that you have that walked away from the faith. I'm going to war for your marriage. I'm going to war with the enemy for your freedom and your breakthrough because I believe in the power of praying and fasting. And so from 7 to 8 p.m., it's one hour. You may be saying, well, what do we do for that hour? I'm glad you asked. During that hour, we do two songs of worship. Someone's going to open God's word with you for five minutes. And then we give you the ability to pray by yourself for like 40 minutes. You're saying, I ain't never done that. I know, I want to teach you. If you'll give me 21 days, I'll guarantee you breakthrough. But there's one condition. It's not a condition that I have. It's a condition that comes from the book of Jeremiah. That if we seek God wholeheartedly, we find him. You go half into this thing, I'm not going to tell you it works. Because it doesn't. If you go half in, you're going to be six days into a fast and feel convinced that the Lord called you to do something different. (laughs) If God called you to a fast, he sustains you through it. Trust him. I'm not going into 21 days of prayer and fasting because I want to fast. I'm going because this is where I feel like the Spirit is leading me. And I know that where He leads, He sustains. And I want to invite you and our whole church on that same journey. That you would take 21 days to pray, to fast, to seek after the heart of God. You would allow God to refine your character and cultivate your calling so that you can walk in to everything that he has for you. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today to worship you, to enter into these 21 days of prayer starting tomorrow focused on becoming who you made us to be. May we step in to that. For some of you here as you came in this morning, you didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I can't think of a better way to kick off 2021 than to say, hey, I'm going to surrender the control of my life into the hands of God. If you're here today and you say, hey, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus, I realize the the control of my life is in my own hands. But today, I'm going to surrender it all to Jesus. If that's you, Would you lift your hand for a moment and say, I want to make that decision. Here's what we're going to do. Nobody prays alone, church. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this out loud with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name. Amen.